Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do one more howl. They don't laugh, though. No. The gray wolf is in danger. In the 1970s, wolves were one of the first species to be protected under the Endangered Species Act due to population decline. In the years that followed, Congress removed protections from gray wolves, first in the northern Rocky Mountains, then across the country. By February of 2022, federal protections were restored to wolves in much of the contiguous United States, except in the northern Rocky Mountain region, where more than 80% of the killing of wolves occurs. I've always been passionate about animals and their welfare. So on this episode of my podcast, we're talking about how we can help protect the gray wolf and learn more about these wonderful creatures. Joining me today are Samantha Atwood, co-founding member of the Hashtag Relist Wolves campaign, and Maggie Howell, executive director of the Wolf Conservation Center right here near my home in South Salem, New York. Welcome to my podcast, Maggie and Samantha. And it's a pleasure to have you here to talk because wolves are on a lot of people's minds right now. Do you know why? I hope it's because of our campaign. (laughs) Well, I wish it were just your campaign, but Mm. you should be very thankful that Kevin Costner and Yellowstone have brought wolves to the forefront of everybody's sort of consciousness. Uh, You know, you watch that, you watch the conflict on that show between the conservationists who are trying to save the wolves and the wildlife in the national parks and all the contiguous properties. And then you see the, the ranchers who want to kill the wolves because they kill the calves and da, da, da. But, um, but I think we are all kind of thinking, all my friends are watching Yellowstone and thinking wolves. 
And um, and did you put that together or not? Sort of. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'll have to say. I think what do you think? Are, do you think they're doing a disservice or a service to the wolf population on that show? I think any point at which the wolves are becoming part of the conversation is a win, yeah. right? It opens That's what I more. think. That's yeah. what I think. And I think that you have a chance now, an opening, mm. a big opening to get to all those millions of people that are watching Yellowstone season five. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting. It really is. No, we really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, Maggie and Samantha, um, tell me uh, what is the hashtag Relist Wolves campaign all about? Okay. The, the Relist Wolves campaign is a campaign aimed at restoring Endangered Species Act protections to the gray wolf across the entire, uh, you know, 48, lower 48 states in the United States. Um, our campaign, we founded in uh, uh, June 2021, shortly after there's this really horrible wolf hunt in Wisconsin, where 218 wolves were killed in under 60 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, by any means necessary, running them down with ATBs, packs of dogs, night hunting, baiting, snaring, you Why? name it. What was the reason? The reason is, well, Maggie, you want to take that one? Yeah. You but know, you know, what did they say? Why did they go well, on such a massive hunt? So, Because wolves had been um, protected due to illegal battles that had been going back and forth over wolf protection, um, really across the United States. And so when it was actually... Former President Trump, he really the exiting kind of speech almost out of the office was to uh, delist wolves nationwide. So after protections were lost, um, really there were some people just raring to go for a long time um, to kill wolves. And a lot of it's just based on on fear and, and hatred, um, which is really unfortunate. And uh, But really what we saw happen, you know, as soon as they lost protections is just just how important protections are. And uh, and really, Samantha mentioned it was like 60 hours. Um, and these are wolves, wolf pups. You know, it was... But what do um, you do with a population that exists today that carry guns? Why does a regulation stop them from killing wolves? It doesn't really, does it? One of the things we say is legal killing leads to more illegal killing. So it emboldens everybody when these protections were lost. Look, you can't save every single wolf. Will there be poachers? Yes. However, regulation has a massive impact on protecting these species. And that's the goal of the campaign, which is actually to restore these protections to wolves and to do it in a way that's a little bit interesting and out of the box where we're talking to the public, we're putting pressure on public officials. We're um, going about this in a, a little bit of a different way because Interestingly enough, this issue until recently has really flown under the radar. In my opinion, you know, you love your dog, you love nature. There's only fewer than 6,000 wolves left in the lower 48 states. We're not talking about all. That's all. And they're being hunted down. Montana and Idaho alone passed legislation to incentivize the killing of between 85 and 90 percent of their wolf populations. It's an all all because of the cattle. I think sitting where we are, it can be a little hard to understand. When you look at the data, wolves are responsible for less than 1% of unwanted deaths of cattle. That's unwanted. That includes disease, sickness, birds of prey, believe it or not. Wolves are responsible for 1%. Mm. And the data really doesn't actually support um, you know what's happening here. And frankly, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not kill wolves, protect cattle, protect, you know, uh, keep the wolves, you know, all the cattle are going to get eaten. There's really, really good mechanisms you have, whether it's fencing, flags, lights, 
uh, uh, what, what are they called? Livestock guardian dogs, all of these things that work and allow you to actually coexist with these animals who are incredibly important for our ecosystem. You know, there's a lot of really major forces working against wolves, you know, whether it's the, uh, the cattlemen kind of lobby or the NRA um, or hunting associations. Um, and there's not that many, you know, groups or I guess a lobby um, really speaking for wolves. And, you know, they need our voices. So that's why the campaign's been so great to really elevate what's already been out there among many conservation groups, but to bring it to really people across all different functions. So lawyers, you have the artists, you have, you know, just novelists, really Cormac novelists. McCarthy. I mean, exactly. his fantastic books uh, mentioning the, the yeah. wonderful wolf population. Yeah, and now Yellowstone, right? Yes. So, and, to, and Yellowstone. So just to elevate this and, and give everyone an idea of what's really happening and hopefully, um, you know, really the roadmap they need to use their voice and, and create change. So you co-founded this um, grit this group. My, well, actually, my mom co-founded this. And uh -huh. I kind of got sucked in. Oh. So it's kind of a funny story. So, you know, my mom's a very passionate environmentalist. I, I am too. And, you know, she saw what happened after these hunts and saw what was going on. Mom with is Leslie Atwood, who is a neighbor of mine here in Bedford, New York. That's and right. uh, and she is a passionate woman in, in many, many, many different fields. Absolutely. And, you know, she saw what was going on and was like, wow, you know, we need to kind of take an out-of-the-box approach. Can we all speak in one voice? All these little NGOs, all these groups that are doing such great work on the ground, we're stronger together. You know, we are going to, you know, at the risk of stealing someone's uh, phrase over there, um, you know, we are, we are able to speak in one voice and it is much more impactful. So... I kind of got sucked in because I was going to, you know, help uh, get our, our campaign firm, Tusk Strategy, set up, get a, a social media expert who you would love, by the way, Brendan Kennedy. He comes from a fashion background to actually look at things a little bit differently. So I was going to help the team set up. And as I learned more and more about this issue and how important wolves are, I just couldn't I couldn't step away. So out of outside of my day job, this is this is what we do. <laughs> what about you, Maggie? How did you get involved with this campaign? Well, uh, we're practically neighbors with, with Jim and Leslie um, and Samantha. So um, we've known them for quite a bit. In fact, we had a wolf celebrate his 15th birthday um, at their restaurant, gosh, some handful of years ago. Um, but uh, it was quite a turnout <laughs> when people showed up to to celebrate with a big meaty steak. No, people still talk about it. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, still talk about that. So, and this um, is one of the wolves from the conservation. Yes, his name was Atka. He's since passed away. He passed away um, a few years ago. But um, but boy, it was. It and was, he was famous. He was famous. Yeah, he was famous. He was a beautiful wolf. Yeah. I got to talk to him a couple yes, of times. Yes, he did. <laughs> but really, I just appreciated new new strength and new kind of um, energy coming into in the fight for wolves. So I thought, you know, the more the merrier. And, and you know, the strength of the wolf is the pack. And to have uh, the Relist campaign kind of join this effort, uh, I just thought was great. And so I want to do anything I could do to help, and, and it's been really fun collaboration. Well, there are many threatened and endangered species uh, of animals. Why are wolves so important? Do you know what a keystone is? So a keystone species plays the exact same role in the ecosystem, where they basically punch above their weight in terms of the um, effects they have on the entire environment. And wolves are exactly like that. If you look at the reintroduction to Yellowstone that happened in the 90s, um, what you saw coming out of that was 
wolves actually are creating this uh, environment where you know, they're, they're eating elk, yes, but they're actually making the elk herds move along more quickly, which meant the elk stopped browsing vegetation, allowed the beavers to come back, allowed um, uh, erosion to stop alongside the streams, and really, you know, allowed these fish to come back. So like all of these, as you call like a trophic cascade effect happened within the ecosystem that was really due to these wolves coming back. Wolves are critical for healthy ecosystems. I like I like that analogy to the keystone of a building. I have I have keystones in my arches of the Isn't of that the stable. Cool? Yeah, science has nailed in on that one. No, you don't want to lose the keystone because everything no. comes tumbling down. Exactly. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms, And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
so the the ecosystem that exists in the wild in the United States um, is fragile, mm -hmm. uh, becoming more and more fragile with the expansion of the gas lines, with the weather, the horrible climate crisis that we're experiencing right now and probably forever henceforth, don't you think? Mm -hmm. And um, so disbelievers, people who don't see a climate crisis or don't see the what's happening to the wildlife in the United States, um, how can how can we how how powerful can this group be to to make people pay attention? What can you do? Oh, and how can we help as that's, individuals? That's a great question. I would say as individuals, you know, the first step is awareness and education, right? And then going to take action. Relistwolves.org. You can send letters to your representatives. You can share on social media from at Relistwolves campaign. And frankly, opportunities um, with with folks like yourself, Martha, who are your, you're a keystone in your own way, right? You punch above your weight in terms of all the people that you reach. Using your voice is an incredible opportunity to, um, you know, shed light on this issue and let folks know, like, there is there is a path here. The path here is to get wolves relisted. That decision lies with the Biden administration, and they are currently conducting what's called a status review. So it started in September of 2021. They said they were going to take one year because of all the hunting. They were going to make an assessment in the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Well, it's now December 22. It is. We're They're waiting. late. We're waiting. They're late, and they have to know that we're paying attention. So every call you make, every letter you send shows them that we're paying attention and that this is an issue that you know, I think the public, you know, really should care about, you know, 6,000 wolves may not seem like such a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but every little bit helps everything we do. I'm shocked that that's all there are. And in the lower 48 states. Yes. Yes. Alaska more. There's Canada more. more. Are they more. projected in Canada? No, Canada's facing many of the similar issues. Yeah, there's are. a, the Algonquin wolf has some protections just. Algonquin? Um, yes, just north of us, basically yes. the eastern or Algonquin wolf, but. Generally, they're, it's pretty much open season on wolves. Mm. I consider them gorgeous creatures. I love dogs that look like wolves. <laughs> Me uh, too. And I think about wolves, and I think about how badly they've been treated by so many people. Farmers have done terrible things to wolves. When One of the things I can't do, I can't stand, is to read some of the bad things people have done to them. They, they're, not, they're not humans. They don't know that they're being, you know, why they're being tortured. No. Uh, and they tortured them. Mm -hmm. They do. So uh, what can we do? Just um, letters? Letters, outrage. talking about this yeah. outrage. And also like... Do you make do you make a lot of personal appearances talk, on, talking about wolves to groups? Uh, you know, to some degree, I think uh, anything we can do to get into the public conversation is, is what we want to do. And, you know, you mentioned they're animals. They don't have a voice. It's our obligation and responsibility to actually be the voice when we can. Well, it's like the octopus. I mean, I yeah, did you watch my octopus teaching? Yes. yes. Did you watch that? And yet, every oh single gosh. restaurant that's had octopus on the menu still has octopus on the mm. menu. I will not eat octopus. I mean, I I never ate it anyway because I because I've always loved octopus. Yeah. But uh, as a creature, mm. but it's just incredible. They're just mm -hmm. they don't doesn't make any difference. And that yeah. was a powerful movie. Powerful documentary. And the difference between octopus and wolves is that the octopus doesn't isn't surrounded already in this cloak of untruths and myths and fables that have been, 
you know, around for centuries. Yes. So beyond like giving the wolf a voice and asking people to protect wolves and care about wolves, we have a lot of unraveling to do um, to change perceptions of the wolf because already people have a really poor I the big say, bad wolf yeah, and little exactly. red riding hood. Precisely. Yeah, I mean, know, this is what this they was. They need what, rebrand. That's right. Even yeah. our language. You know, just just if you open the New York Times on a given day, you're probably going to see some wolf of Wall Street or lone wolf terrorist or really just we have to kind of unleash some of these negative connotations that we connect to the word wolf um, and kind of start from scratch so people can understand what they really are. They're wild animals living their own like wild lives with their gorgeous, own family gorgeous members. Gorgeous lives, right. You know, try, just trying to do and survive, you know, and thrive on the landscape. Yeah. So... In comes another canine, I guess. It's a canine, the, the coyote that lives all around us here mm-hmm. in Westchester County. Uh, what do you think about them? I love coyotes. <laughs> I, um, I, the thing about um, coyotes that I find most remarkable is that just like wolves, they've been persecuted for centuries. And they're thriving. And now they're not only thriving, but they're in all four, they're in 49 of our 50 states. So every state except Hawaii. Yeah. So in terms of being outfoxed, the coyote <laughs> is remarkable. Um, however, still we're killing just hundreds of thousands well, of these animals. I have here. a pack of coyotes on my property. They could just yep. as well be wolves. I would have a very hard time shooting a coyote. Yeah. And yet the coyotes are wreaking havoc on a farm. Mm-hmm. I mean, here I am living in this mm-hmm. this little world here, this little 150-acre world of mine, yeah. wondering what the heck am I going to do with these beautiful creatures? They walk with me when I ride my horse, the coyotes. It's interesting. Horses, I talk to yeah. them, they listen, and yet there they go at lunchtime not long ago and ate six of my most beautiful peacocks. Oh, I'm sorry about that. They did. They just <laughs> ate them at daytime, at noon. Yeah. When everybody else was having their lunch, they had their lunch. But, and, uh, and, and then I called the town and I said, is there some way to, and I'm fenced, Yeah. but coyotes have their way of getting in and over and under fences everywhere. We'll have to set something up for you because there are lots of really neat tools to use um, that can be proactive, non-lethal, to help deter that sort of conflict. So are you doing that for people being beleaguered by wolves too out in the West? We don't do it personally at the Wolf Conservation Center because we're here and we don't have wolves, Uh, but definitely there are. Handbooks would be very good Mm -hmm. because I'm not not about to go out and shoot the coyotes. And actually you say they could be wolves, you know, in terms of- They could be wolves. They actually are a little bit wolves. I know they are. Because yeah, the the coyotes we have in this area are called Eastern Coyotes. Well, we had a pack of seven babies last year and I've watched them grow up. And some of them are really dark, almost black. Yeah. And some are kind of a golden color. And mm-hmm. and uh, there they are. And, uh, you know, you, you look at, I go out with flashlights at night and find them. And, um, but uh, what do we do? Well. My, my domesticated animals cannot roam. My dogs, I'm not worried about my dogs. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Because my dogs would, would make mincemeat of the coyotes, I think. Probably. But I don't want my dogs to yeah. have the f- taste of blood like that. I just don't mm-hmm. want them to. So no. I don't want them to get in a fight. But what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Um, there are things just, most. a lot of it's based on fear. Um, a lot of uh, uh, animals, wolves, coyotes, have something called neophobia, fear of anything new. So it could be flattery, like, you know, kind of flags or ribbons that are on fence line or uh, noisemakers. 
um, you know, just anything that's going to shock them uh, so they don't feel comfortable. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean. Peacocks are pretty noisy. They're not afraid of peacocks. <laughs> I know, I'm, so, they probably thought they were like toys. I mean, big, something so These flashy. are giant peacocks. These are not, they're as big as the coyotes, if not bigger. <laughs> Quite a snack. Yeah, yes. it was really something. Yeah. But back to, but back so to wolves. But Tell us about the gray wolf, because um, I think everybody says that's really what we're trying to trying to protect mm -hmm. the most now since there's only 6,000 of them. Um, and there's many millions of, I bet there's millions of uh, coyotes, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Millions. So what about the gray wolf? I think, I think the one thing I would say on the last point though, is that like the conflict reduction methods are very similar when you're dealing with predators. It really is about, you know, securing as much as you can, but you can't secure everything, right? So it is lights. It is like a livestock guardian dogs, range riders, Various things that work, and, and I think what we want to highlight is there is a middle ground here, right? There are solutions, and frankly, you know, in in my opinion, those are the things that we really should be funding at the state level to try to coexist with these beautiful creatures. You'll hear that people are all, oh, we're going to be overrun by wolves. I'm like, there's 6,000 of them. I think we're really far off from that. We're going in the wrong direction. But even where there's like all of these elk, all of this food, all of this environment, it's Hard being a wolf you have mm -hmm. to chase down huge prey very high mortality rates and um and so they've actually really stabilized i think you know sadly last season there were 25 yellowstone wolves who were killed that's 20 percent of the population mm. there are only 125 in the park which well, is about where were they stabilized. killed and they were lured out of the park and shot but yeah. how, how are they lured the new laws that were passed in just in the past couple of years 2021 um allowed baiting for the first time so they had people baiting the, you know, right beyond the the kind of boundary, that invisible boundary, oh. um, would lure them from the safety of the park and yeah, making and, calls like anything they could do to get the wolves out. And these are wolves, by the way. Most wolves are not accustomed to people, but people come to Yellowstone to see wolves. Yeah, what is it like? I think there's eighty two million dollars per year in tourism revenue of people coming to see wolves in this area, and so they're kind of used to people. They're not expecting this invisible boundary. You cross it, you're going to be shot and killed. How terribly unfair is that? Yeah, yeah. no, it is. And that's in Yellowstone, where there is no management. There's no lethal management to control their populations, and that population is stabilized over the years. And the same thing in Wisconsin, where they've been protected for. Um, a handful of years. And during that time, without having these state-sanctioned state hunts, they saw that the population reached carrying capacity. That means it really was able to kind of control itself and it stabilized, um, which demonstrated that there's no, in terms of population control, the wolves, that they're set. That's not a problem. They can do that without our help. How big is a gray wolf? Ah, um, well, they vary. Uh, there are different kinds of gray wolves. Um, but a lot of people think from fairy tales or movies like Twilight and what have you that there are these monstrous, huge animals. Um, like in the Great Lakes area of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, a female might be 70 to 90, maybe 100 pounds. A male might get up to 110 pounds. Um, in the Northern Rockies. So like uh, Great Danes, not Great Danes, they're like uh, giant German shepherds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're big. They get a little bit bigger in the mm -hmm. in the Northern Rocky states of like Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. Um, a male might be 115 pounds. Um, they can get be bigger. There have been a few in Yellowstone that were over 130. Now Maggie Pretty knows rare. all of this intimately because as director of the um, Wolf Conservation Center here in South Salem, 
Uh, how many wolves do you have there now? We have 32. Oh, wow. You have a lot more. Yes. And the, last time, <laughs> the last time I was there was a couple of years ago. Yes. And now you have 32. What kind of wolves? Um, well, uh, there are different kinds. We have um, two wolves that we just call kind of our generic, which sounds terrible, the gray wolves. And they're who um, the wolves that help teach people. So they're our ambassadors or education wolves. And their names are Lewa and Nakai. And then we have 10 critically endangered red wolves, which is a totally different species of wolf um, that are currently um, living only here in the north or southeast um, in the state of North Carolina. And then we have uh, 20 Mexican gray wolves, which are gray wolves, but a different subspecies of gray wolf. And they're about, um, we have 20 of those, and they're about 200, a little fewer than 200 in the southwest United States. Wow. They're all in pretty bad shape numbers-wise. Yeah. What does the what does your conservation center do for these wolves? Sure, yeah. So we um, obviously we house them, we take care of them, we nurture them, um, but we're really teaching people about them. So we do a lot of education programs. Uh, we have people on site. We do remote programs. We do scientific webinars. We really try to get that education at every level. How big um, an area do you have for them to roam? We have thirty four acres right now. Are they kept separate or are they together? We've got nine enclosures. It's uh, they're separated by family groups. So we have some families that are just a pair of wolves. Um, we have some families that are quite larger, up to eight wolves, um, that are multi-generational. But wolves ultimately live or belong in the wild. So even, you know, if we have a, an enclosure that's, say, two acres or more, it's it's they're dynamic creatures. They belong in the wild. So keeping them in captivity is really difficult. Um, it's we have really no hard. wolves wild in this area, do we? No, um, there has been the occasional wolf that's gotten into the Northeast, likely from Canada, um, usually, um, and even into New York. Um, but those animals are usually coming via like dead wolves. That's the only way we find out about them because we have really robust coyote hunting throughout the Northeast. Um, people are like, oh, I killed a really large coyote. They do some genetic tests and confirm that it, it was a wolf. And that's happened mm -hmm. a, a couple of times. So they're really close by. But there's no populations just kind of known, no proven populations to be here right now. What's the uh, lifespan of a gray wolf? Um, it really depends. You know, Samantha touched on this earlier, how living in the wild is hard, uh, even before you put kind of the human component in there. But, um, you know, most pups don't even survive to adulthood. About 60% of pups um, die within the first year, usually of starvation. Um, during the late summer, I think is the hardest time, early fall. Um, but if they get past that, that first year and make it to two years old, they'll likely make it maybe to four to six years old mm. if there's no, you know, hunting. Um, so those, you know, the, the things that would can really be an issue would be disease, um, starvation, usually just for the youngsters, um, and, uh, and actually, uh, other wolves. So wolves are a top predator, but they also have lots of competitors out there. And wolves will compete with mountain lions. Wolves will compete with um, bears. They'll compete with coyotes to a degree, um, but they also compete with other wolves. So they're very much like people in that they have their home turf, kind of like their, their area, and they're going to defend their territory um, from their neighbors. What about fox? Fox don't really pose much of a no. competition risk for wolves. They're pack animals, wolves. Yep. So how big is a pack? Um, that varies, but basically, you know, what a wolf pack is, is essentially just a family. Um, even, you know, the alpha male, alpha female kind of terms have been 
pretty much, uh, you know, aren't used so much in our in the wolf circles these days because really just alpha, the alpha male would be the dad, the alpha mm-hmm. female is the mom, and they are the bosses because that's how it goes. Parent, that's well, it goes. that's how it should go, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then they have their offspring once a year, every year, and that will make up the rest of the pack. Sometimes a, a wolf that's not related will join the pack. Um, but they're dynamics you have, just like with our families, you know, they kind of leave the nest at some point and start their own families. So um, so that's why the numbers are a bit, you know, it changes. It have also, you had a lot of babies at the uh We have. Center? We actually, we're hoping to have some more babies this spring. Um, but last uh, spring we had um, one litter born, uh, Mexican, Mexican gray wolves. How, how many are in a litter? This litter was five. That's healthy. Yep. And one of them uh, actually was released into the wild, which is very exciting. And um, But the largest litter we've had at the Wolf Center was a litter of nine and nine. Yeah, nine. And um, we decided that we wanted to name it, um, name each member after a really important um players on the Yankees oh. and uh and we thought oh how fun because I make a baseball team and so we're trying to do that and then we decided last minute to I hope name Aaron them. I hope you have an Aaron well we were there was a lot of debate a robust <laughs> ongoing debate about who should these Yankees be and um and actually we decided on second thought we'll name them after female conservationists because of course Yankees female conservationists natural fit. um but it worked out for the best because the boys from that litter were actually transferred to a different facility in Boston. And if they were named after the Yankees, it would have been terrible. Oh, really yeah, they not a good Nobody thing. would have liked so. Them. Female conservationists won out. So wolves, what, what do wolves in the wild eat? What are they looking for? Yeah, so wolves, um, their uh, menu will vary depending on where they live. Like in Yellowstone, they're going to be hunting animals like elk, um, deer, mm-hmm, deer, bison, some of, sometimes, um, it's a little bit harder for them, but there's one pack called the Molly's pack for years. That was real. their expertise was hunting bison effectively. Mm. Um, they'll also eat, uh, smaller, like beaver hair, you know, really it, it depends. It's going to take the whole family group though, in order to really chase down and successfully hunt an animal, like an elk or a bison. Right. Um, those other animals would be more of like a single snack. What's the ideal habitat for the gray wolf? Is it, I mean, do they seem to be rather uh, adaptable? They are very adaptable. Um, and the ideal habitat is a habitat that has prey, honestly. That's going to be the biggest so thing. They're not, are they looking source. for opossums and skunks and things like that too? They could. Yeah. yeah. You know, like even um, like the Arctic, the Arctic gray wolf, let's say, um, while they're they're really large, you know, um, caribou migrations and there's the muskox, but otherwise it's pretty barren. Um, so they're going to be hunting things like lemmings and uh, you know, Arctic fox, um, really the smaller prey. And those are the ones where they won't rely on the rest of the family members necessarily. But because food is a bit more scarce, um, they have a larger territory size because they have to roam farther distances just to find food. Um, they tend to have smaller litters as well. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. 
Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the question is, what's the difference between being endangered and being threatened? Is there a distinct difference? Yeah, I would say, you know, endangered when when something uh, when a a species is designated as an endangered species, they get the maximum protections, right? You can't hunt them like you have to kind of preserve their habitat. And, And endangered means, well, they're at risk of going extinct. Threatens is kind of like the next level, which is like, yo, you think they're going to become endangered. So by the time they're endangered, it's really dire. Yeah. Yeah. So they're now endangered. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, they are. I mean, if you look at what's happening with these hunts and all the barbaric methods that are being used, and frankly, like, you know, there are groups and states that are paying bounties. They are incentivizing hunters to go out and kill wolves. They're going to pay in Idaho. They'll pay between $500 and $2,500 per wolf. And there's no... Uh, I mean, it varies everywhere, but like there's not a much limitation in terms of what what uh, hunters can go out. They could go get 20 wolves. Yeah. And it's really it's really slipped into the dark ages and, and yes. we know better. I mean, we used to have uh, 
likely more than a quarter of a million wolves living coast to coast in the mm-hmm. lower 48. And really, it was through, you know, these, these predator eradication programs um, that used poison and bounties and trapping and snares um, that brought them down to just a few isolated, you know, almost family groups, mostly in the Great Lakes area, and they were gone everywhere else. Um, so then, you know, with um, the Endangered Species Act being passed in 1973, um, we stopped killing wolves and we started to protect wolves. And at, that's at, when at the height, back. how many wolves did had we counted? I mean, if we're, if there's six thousand now, what was the most we ever counted? Um, well, they don't they weren't counting, but they're estimating at least a quarter of a million. Really? And that's yeah. When was that? That was uh, really before we colonized and started these massive programs to just get rid of most of the predators. Yeah, this is like you know late 1800s, I would say. Yeah. So many. So it was, it was a long time ago. When the, seeing, bi- when the bison were running free, mm-hmm. the law was different. Yeah, and yeah. there were millions of bison, and now they've been reduced to such a pitiful number, too. No, it's true. You know, it it's is really, true. Um, so the endangered species list, that was what year were they removed from it? So they were removed from it. It's gone back and forth, kind of a legal battle. But um, they were initially um, removed, like, in 2011. And it's kind of gone back and forth in different places for a little while now. Um, but while it has gone back and forth, it's been a little bit confusing. Um, but we've seen what happens when there is wolf hunting. Mm-hmm. And then we've seen when wolves are afforded protections, really a lot of those populations stabilize, which really takes away, you know, some of the, the reasons there, the justifications um, for these hunts in the first place. Is there legal hunting anywhere in the United States mm-hmm. where... Um, legal hunting right now is in Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana. Oh. And that's where, again, like Samantha said, they're using some of these, you know, bounties. You know, mm. bounties aren't legal. <laughs> I mean, essentially, we, we kind of got over bounties. You know, we celebrated the Endangered Species Act. Its 50-year anniversary is next year. I mean, it's one of the most uh, successful environmental laws Are you optimistic that it will be reinstated? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's unfair. I think it's very unfairly, but wolves have become sort of an emblem of this political battle between environmentalists. And, you know, we don't want to be told what to do at the state level. And the problem is it really is not the the wolves are caught in the middle. It's not about the science or the data behind it, because all of a sudden you're seeing a lot of emotion um, being pulled into this issue where if you actually look at the data, you look at how many cattle are being killed by wolves. You look at Montana, the state of Montana is being overrun by elk right now to the point where it's a big problem that everyone knows about. You have a natural solution here, and yet you're out there killing your natural solution at the same time. This endangered species list, who else is on it? Oh, gosh, lots of critters. Yes. Um, yeah, so it depends, you know, Again, different parts of the country almost has different kinds of protection. But in terms of predators, you have the grizzly bear that's currently still being protected. Um, those different kinds of wolves, lots of birds. Oh, yeah, birds. I um, mean, the bald whales. eagle, that, that, the Endangered Species Act is really responsible for one of the greatest conservation success stories, the like emblem of the United States. We had our first sighting here at the farm oh, last really? week. Oh. We got a picture of a bald eagle yeah, circling the whole farm, looking, looking around. 
It was so exciting because I have not in, in the 20 years I've been here seen an eagle. Have you seen one here? I haven't, but I'm, I live over in Washington and they're like a pest out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're gorgeous. They are. But, you know, one of the things they actually still have some protections under what's called the Migratory Bird Protection Act. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you see wolves, they're delisted. They have no protection. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's like a link between those two, but it's certainly something worth considering going from zero to, you well, know, do both 60. of you go to Washington and make your case? Do you actually go in front of, of the Congress or the people, the, the committees in charge of, of this, this act? A key part of the campaign is really talking to elected officials, and we yeah. do have have uh, some some of the members of our team, our lobbyists, who are going and doing that and making it clear why it, why this is important. And frankly, like I think if you take a step back, you look at the data. Healthy ecosystems are something we can all get behind. So, what has been the public response to your campaign for relist wolves? Oh, it's been awesome. Has it? It's been great. It's it's um. So awesome. And I think the thing is, it's like most people just don't know. How do you break through and talk to people? We've done a couple of really cool things. We did this collaboration with Jim Batcher, who's this um, pothole mosaic artist. So he put in these potholes that say relist in D.C. We put up billboards. We collaborated with Jason Momoa and Sender Films on a public service spot. Um, All of these things are, you know, incremental grains of sand that are building up into a mountain of change. And so it's been really great, but I would say probably every day I talk to someone, whether it's at work or a friend, they're like, they, they didn't know about this issue. Do the wolves like the cold weather? They love the cold they do. weather. Yes. Yeah. And do they have dens? Do they go into dens at night? They do. And, you know, we're, we're, we're terrible. I would hate to be a wolf at the wolf center sometimes just because we have webcams everywhere. Oh. So we have webcams in their enclosures and also in their dens. So... Uh, unbeknownst to the wolves, uh, we have an unlimited uh, number of like a global audience basically sneaking into their dens at night to watch. Them so how do we ac- how do, do we access that? Um, at our website, it's just nywolf.org. But yeah, I encourage everyone to go check out the wolves. The oh, webcams yeah. are so cool. Yeah, so really that's awesome. that's important. I mean, you can watch so many animals uh, by by webcam. And it is extraordinary that we can uh, we can uh, be nosy <laughs> in the best possible way. We are nosy. Yeah, we are nosy. Um, so wolves uh, were some of the first animals shielded by the Endangered Species Act, and um, the decision. Well, we we've t- discussed this; have been politically charged ever mm-hmm. since. And uh, and how do you think? How do you really think we can change this? We need you know, a president that cares. You know what? A voice, a voice that cares and is outspoken. And who's ready to be brave about an issue that is is surprisingly difficult. And I think we've been surprised at how difficult it has been to push this administration, which generally is very science-driven, until they can actually come up with a plan to meet in the middle and figure out how do we live with wolves. They need protections, and the administration needs to recognize that and restore them. Well, I really think that you have to go out to Montana to the Yellowstone Ranch and talk to Kevin and his producers and and uh, and make it, make it even a bigger subject on such a program like that and get and get get some more programs about wolves because as you say they have been they have been made menaces they have been made been evil miscast. they have been miscast <laughs> well miscast is yes. the best word they have been miscast in in American history. And um, and I think uh, 
the voice your voices have to be heard bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, we have some very exciting ideas as much as you want to <laughs> lean in with us yeah. here. And um, I mean, this is just an incredible opportunity to do that. Thank you very much for educating us um, on such an important topic and these very, very beautiful creatures. To find out more, uh, again, remember everyone, uh, you can save the wolves by visiting relist, R-E-L-I-S-T, wolves.org and use the hashtag relistwolves. And to learn more about wolves in general, visit newyorknywolf.org. Those are important addresses for you to know. I have been instructed that before we're done here, that Maggie should uh, teach Martha how to howl like a wolf. Oh, you can, can you howl really? And Maggie's name I is Maggie sort of Howell, yes. which is so weird. But yeah. my, name is, my name is Stu Art. I, I'm the artist of Stu. <laughs> oh, that is good. So, yes. well, okay. I blow out the mic. Maggie, don't get scared, everybody, because... <laughs> Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags, and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit FuelRewards.com status. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.